I think pros actually is quite not easy, but it's it has a few basic concepts. If you master those and then sort of extrapolate them, you can work out more difficult cases, you know. Welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast, the forward-thinking podcast for dental professionals. Join us as we discuss hot topics in dentistry, clinical tips, continuing education, and adding value to your life and career. With your host, Jazz Gulati. Now we all know how annoying lower complete dentures can be. I could probably think about four dentists in the entire world who like doing complete dentures and the secret is, is because they're good at it, right? And one of those dentists that I can think of is Rupert Monkhouse, who's doing some sensational things with his patients, with his photography. It's just absolute art. Now I've got him because he's so good at removal pros. So today we're talking about exclusively the bane of our existence in removal pros, which is lower complete dentures. In this episode with Rupert, we're gonna ask about how to get more predictability, if that's even possible, with lower complete dentures. What are the signs that actually you may be onto a winner and that you may be able to get a suction lower denture, that elusive suction from a lower denture, which you see flaunted on Instagram. I've probably achieved this twice in my career so far, where I've able to get the lower denture suction and both times you pull the camera out you record it because it's such a proud moment right to get suction on a lower complete denture so i'm going to ask rupert is there a formula or is it all luck as well as that we talk about all the different stages that rupert utilizes to help him get a really stable lower complete denture the protrusive dental pearl i have you is a communication one it's something that i think as a profession on the whole we're not very good at and something that we were never taught. Now, when I learned this technique, I guess it's a technique uh, in communication, it really made a huge difference. And I remember one time in Reading, we were doing an Invisalign open day and I had two other dentists in the room while I was doing a consultation. So we were taking turns, one person was writing the notes, the other person was filling like the radiograph requests, that kind of stuff. So we were working as a team for this Invisalign open day. Uh, and I went through my entire spiel, I showed the before and afters, I listened to the patient's wants and needs and how we can help this patient to have a better smile. Now, when it came to the close, i.e. it's gonna cost this much and this much time, is this something you want to proceed with, right? So that's called a close, when you close a treatment plan. When it came to a close, there was a silence, i.e. I finished speaking and now there was an awkward silence. Now what happens, imagine you're going to a patient, you're gonna to say to the patient, you need uh, an implant and three restorations and the cost will be 6,000 pounds, okay? And now once you've said that, what happens next? Well, usually there might be a pause for like, a couple of seconds before what? What happens usually after that pause? Usually the dentist might say, okay, um, you, you can think about it if you want, or the dentist might say, um, does that not make sense? Because for some reason, that pause is something that we can't fathom. It's something that we can't tolerate. It's something that we, we kind of panic from that pause, right? So the lesson here and what I did that day uh, was that I just let the pause happen, okay? I zipped my mouth shut, I said, it's gonna cost this much, it's gonna take this much time, is this something you want to do? I just paused. And it was around about a 20 second pause, right? Can you imagine three dentists in the room and the patient and there was a 20 seconds pause. Now that 20 second pause seemed like probably like five minutes. It, was, it seemed like an eternity, right? Uh, and the patient said, okay, fine, I can do it. And then she's now having in this line with one of the dentists at the practice. So the lesson we can learn here is A, respect the pause, 
He or she who speaks first loses, so don't speak first. Let's give that patient the time. And the way I learned it is that that patient needs that time to just figure out, oh, which day can I come in? Uh, how much money do I have? Uh, how can I afford this? Is this the right thing for me? In the patient's head, they're probably thinking they're taking about three or five seconds to respond, but they're in like a trance. They're really just thinking about a few things. And once they've made up their mind, they will then answer. If you rush the patient or if you interrupt the patient, it's so easy to say to them, think about it. And what happens? They go home and they think about it and the rational brain takes over. Because why? Cosmetic dentistry and Invisalign is an emotional purchase. Okay, and when they say, you know what, I'd rather go on holiday, then that's it. They won't be having the treatment anymore, which is a shame because who loses out? I think you lose out, but the patient also loses out because how many patients do you know who've had cosmetic treatment from you and regretted it? Very few, probably none, because they all, when they have a better smile, are so grateful. And quite often you hear this time and time again. They always say, I wish I'd done this treatment sooner. So that's my elaborate communication, protrusive dental pearl for you. Start respecting the pause, don't panic, give the patient the time to breathe and the time to think. Hope you enjoyed that one, and I hope you enjoy this session with Rupert Monkhouse. I'll catch you in the outro. Rupert Monkhouse, welcome to the Protrusive Dental Podcast. How are you, my friend? I'm good, my man. Thanks for having me on. Really uh, excited to be on having a chat with you. Man, I am so stoked to have you on, man. The level of uh, dentistry, level of just removal pros that you do, like it's, it's similar to what I said about Finlay, because I know you listened to, to Finn's episode, is like the same thing I said to him, I say to you, you are making removal pros sexy. Right. Because because sometimes I wonder and we were just having a chat before we started recording. And I, I, I actually thought you limited your practice to removal pros. But then I found out you did expectation today, you did some fillings and whatnot. And, and you know, just it's amazing the, the level that you're, you're doing this at, the way you're documenting. So the first thing I want to know is um, for the listeners, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got, got into removal pros and why not composite veneers? Why not facial aesthetics? Why this seemingly specialized route of rural pros and which you've made sexy which is great yeah i mean i graduated in 2017 from king's um and that's really where it sort of came from mainly my it was my third year tutor when we did removable started that in third year and i just had one of those tutors that's just so passionate and such an incredible teacher what's the name of the tutor uh, andreas artopoulos he's out in uh, cyprus now um, but he was running um, Maxfax uh, Prosthodontics as well. And I think he still pops over to guys to do that. Um, so, yeah, he was my third year tutor and just got me sort of sucked in with it. Uh, I went and did my FD up in Hull and they had um, the uh, sedation contract for the area. So we'd have once a month loads of patients coming in for sedation. If they didn't have complete or immediate dentures, they got sent to the FD to make up a pair pretty sharpish. So I got loads of experience there. And we had an in-house lab there as well. So I was always popping in with a technician and we had a CDT there. So yeah, it was just sort of really thrown into it. And I just like the amount of change you can get, especially like completes. I think I said it on a post the other day, it's, it's a blank canvas. You've got a lot of control of what you can do. And yeah, it's, I just find it enjoyable. I do all I do all general dentistry, but um, my practice on Instagram is limited to <laughs> removables at least. Man, I, your passion just shines through. And I love hearing people's origin story because a lot of people a lot of dentists ask 
how do I know what my niche is? How do I know what kind of dentistry I want to sort of niche down into? And I think, and I love your story that, hey, you mm -hmm. had an influential tutor in dental school, and then you were in, you happened to fall into a practice whereby they had this contract with sedation and you were seeing tons and tons of removal pros, which obviously just fueled your passion more and more. And now you're in a situation where you're, you're you know, really taking wonderful photographs uh, and, and these brilliant cases. And listen, today is all about suction lower dentures right because lower dentures are the bane <laughs> of, of, of all dentists uh, and it all came about because uh, recently on on my instagram i posted uh, one of my few cases i have where i managed to achieve suction on a lower full or lower complete denture and in the comments someone suggested uh, bring rupert on i think that's how it went i was like yes totally this this sounds amazing so uh, i'm happy i have you on I'm ha i had mark bishop on we talked about all things complete complete dentures yeah. then i had finn about chrome dentures so um I'm, I'm being a little bit harsh to you i'm giving you the most difficult thing to discuss <laughs> in removal pros but mate let, let, let's go with it so the first question i have is uh how do you know which case you have a chance right when do you know okay you know what i've got a chance or do you always have a chance or are there some situations where uh, maybe you want to throw in the outward classification or something that you think you know what it is impossible to get a suction lower denture give us a flavor of that yeah, I wouldn't want to ruin the episode straight at the start and everyone logs off, but I don't I don't think you can know, as you say, like outright, this one's going to be great, this one isn't. Um, because I've seen like the full range, you know, I've got a couple of videos on my page was probably ones that you've seen or, you know, people have asked to see. And the one chap, he's got the most beautiful ridges, big, wide, awesome ridges, great upper and lower suction. And then I've got a lady who's got these non-existent inverted and it's got suction as well. And yeah, you know, so you've got the two extremes and you get it. But I, I don't think you can ever know for certain. But as you say, I think you can achieve it with, you know, any ridge. You just got to sort of back yourself and go through with it. So what, 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 Rupert, what percentages do you think is luck? And what percentage do you think is, because I, I, I put it down to luck. When I, when I get it down, I was like, okay, I just got lucky, right? But what, 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 how much is skill? How much is, you know what, on a different patient, that might not work. But on this patient, it did. Is that a fair question? I don't know. You tell me. Well, I think it's 50-50, you either get it or you don't, isn't it? So, <laughs> no, I, I, I think you've got to do everything the same all the way, like each time you do it. And then it's sort of, it's going to even itself out over the course of it. Um, but I've, yeah, I've had patients where they've come in and thought, oh, this is going to be an awesome, you know, good chance of suction here. And I've texted my technician with the primary imps and say, oh, mate, this is going to be a good one. Uh, and we haven't quite been able to get it. But I think actually, though, it comes down to is suction actually important? Like what is going to make it a successful treatment for the patient? Does, I've never had a patient come and say, yeah, I really want a suction lower denture, please. They've gone, my lower denture is not that great. I want to make a new one. So it, it's great to have, but I don't think it's, you know, it's, it's not the be all and end all. I think a supportive denture is probably better because then you're more likely to get that stability which is what they really need brilliant and by supported you mean uh like some implants uh, so implant supported dentures you mean i just just supportive in terms of you know that would be if you go right back to to my third year tutor and you're saying he had the stability triangle so your stability is your balance of your support and your retention retention you know resistance away from the tissues support resistance towards the tissues so particularly for the lower gravity is helping you I think issues that patients have is when they're biting and there isn't that much support and it rocks, it displaces, you've lost the stability. And no matter how much suction or retention you have, if you've got rubbish support, you're going to lose your retention anyway because it's not going to be able to overpower that seesawing or, or whatever it is. So I think actually, I personally, I don't 
focus on getting retention. I focus on getting support because I think I know nine times out of 10, if I make a really nice supportive denture, it's going to be better than what they walked in with to see me at the consultation. Make that really tangible, Rupert. Like, what do you, what do you mean? How can I make a, because I, I test for retention, I test for stability, but the, the support concept to, to, to me is, yeah, yes, we read about it and stuff, but it's not something I looked at denture and thought, okay, how well is it supported? What do you mean by support? Do you mean how well the, the lips and soft tissues rest over it or how well it just sits? G- give me a little bit more about the support and how we can improve the support of our dentures. Sure. So like, I think your support in terms of finger rest either side on the fives and sixes regions, pressing down, is it resisting against it? Is it feel like it's rocking? So like you see those little mini complete dentures where the flange is essentially like the width of the, the teeth. When you know they've got, they've got buckle shelves, they've got a lingual extension because we all have that even when there's that full resorption, you might lose the height, but you're still going to have the width of the mandible bone. That's not going to go anywhere. It's going to shrink downwards, but not necessarily inwards. So, you know, I always look at seeing how far I can get it out towards out towards the cheeks. Yeah, that's then going to play into your support of the cheeks and the lips because we're not just replacing the teeth. We're replacing the bone, the hard tissue that's been lost as well. So like, if you've got those kind of nice extended flanges posteriorly, you're going to have a much better support and it's not going to move around and that's going to improve that stability, which is actually what the patient means when I don't have a tight fitting denture, or at least that's what I think. Brilliant. That really helps. There have been some times in the past, uh, especially the DCT, I made loads of complete dentures back then. Uh, and sometimes I had overextended, I don't know if that's the right word. So basically in the lower molar region of my complete denture, I had gone too far buckle or too far towards the cheek. So how can uh, how can mm-hmm. I minimize that problem? And how do you know where your special tray should end in, in a buckle direction in terms of how far uh, does the periphery go in terms of the buckle, if, if that makes sense, towards the cheek? How, is there any landmarks that you use to, to draw that out? I wouldn't, it's difficult to say landmarks. I think your frenal attachments are going to help you because obviously there's not going to be a massive extension beyond a frenal attachment. So you can be a little bit realistic there. I think I always deliberately try and overextend the primary impression. One, to make sure I get all the landmarks that are going to help me. So if you want to get support or, or even retention, if you're looking at retention, you want compressible tissues posteriorly, your retromolar pads, you want to get the buckle shells, you want to get a lingual extension. So you want to make sure you get all that in your primary impression anyway. So I do try and overextend it. And then I look at trying in my tray, making sure actually there is a free bit of sulcus around it that we can work into. So when we do a functional border molding impression, we're going to have the suitable thickness of material there and we're not overextending it. So if you try your tray in and it's absolutely, you know, cutting into the cheeks and you get the patient to wrap the lips around and it's knocking your, you can feel it moving around, you know you've overextended them. Awesome. That helps. So I think next, let's find out step by step. Okay. Just talk us through, obviously, you know, <laughs> you can, you can go on three, four days teaching about this because it's not something you can learn in a podcast episode. Let's just give people a, a flavor. Just give us some step by step, some things that you think have been instrumental in helping you to get better supported, better retentive, better stability in, from your dentures, lower dentures. Just stick to the lowest. Um, yeah. So I think uh, first off, like assess the patient fully. I think Mark covered it really well in his episode. It's like, it's not just a treatment plan of like lower complete denture. Like have a good look at the patient. Have a look at what you, what do your ridges look like? Do you, you know, is it really flat? Is it nice and wide and thick? Is there a bony undercut? You know, does the patient have a large tongue? Have they not had a lower denture and the tongues and the floor of the mouth is expanded in and things like that? Look at those landmarks that you're going to get. 
I always look at what the patient has already, what their denture's like. You know, if they've got one of those little tiny dentures, I think, happy days, I'm probably going to be able to improve this. If they've got one with really nice looking flanges, I start to get a little bit worried. Um, and, it, you know, assess other things, you know, what's their saliva like? Because if they've got, you know, bone dry mouth, you're not going to get anything there. You need that thin film of saliva. And I think you need to assess how good the patient is at wearing dentures as well. I had a, I had a lady recently just when we came back from from lockdown and she came in and she was a full full denture wear and she'd been wearing for 40 years and she just went i just want something that looks nicer and i thought happy days because mm. ricardo will sort that for me and her low she had no bone at all and her lower denture when i was assessing it was absolutely swimming around all over the place and i was like how are you with that and she's like absolutely fine she's one of those you know i, I like to use the analogy of like riding a bike when you're riding a bike you're super stable but one leg's going up, one leg's going down, but you're super balanced and you're fine with it. And she was riding the bike. This denture was moving everywhere, but she was absolutely fine. So if you've got a patient like that, happy days, you might improve it, but it's not going to be the end of the world to them. I mean, that patient has a superior neuromuscular adaptation, right? That patient is a good denture wearer, yeah. just like you said, you know, so these patients are, are kind of sometimes, they, you know, don't never get complacent, but they're kind of home runs where they've got this crappy denture and they're wearing it. And, you know, those are ones that I, I like to take on. And when it's not that criteria, I like to refer them <laughs> probably to you. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm only down the road, so you know where to find me if you want to. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah, so I think those <laughs> no, I think those ones are, as you say, they can be they can be the home run. I think the toughest ones are patients that are transitioning, like perio patients transitioning maybe from a partial to a complete. Or like I had a chat, the ones that I've been sharing recently, the the fancy signature ones where he'd actually never been wearing a denture. He had a really bad gag reflex. He'd never worn dentures, but he's been a dentureless for ten years. And that's like you're saying you've re- you've got to learn this. Like it's a skill. And I use that riding a bike analogy and I think they sort of get that. Um, those are those are the tough cases, yeah, and especially in immediate when they're numb everywhere and their lips are pushing it all out already because they can't move them. Uh, I think that's uh, those are the challenges. But yeah, the ones where they've happily worn for forty five years and they're expert denture wearers. Yeah, happy days. Sweet. So you, you talked about the, the patient profile, like what you just said there. Uh, you talked about your primary impressions mm-hmm. where you're trying to get them overextended on purpose. Um, let's move on to maybe some some pearls in in the special tray because that's really such a key appointment you know to to get your final impression you mentioned uh, green stick and uh, oh i I don't think you you mentioned border molding but my question now is can you describe your technique for border molding do you use green stick yeah so um one little thing i didn't mention earlier on the on the primaries as well i think just use putty don't just stick alginate in there because you're not going to get that retraction of the tissues you mentioned green stick and stuff there as well for your secondaries you, know, you want to make sure you're retracting those tissues because you're not going to get the buckle shelves, you're not going to get back to the retromolar pad, and you're going to end up with that that tooth wide denture again. Um, but yeah, secondaries, I don't use green stick. I just don't like using it. It's just really fiddly. I prefer using putty, um, but I actually do my secondaries in a three stage um, impression. So I do the first stage might be a little bit different to what sort of people do. So I've deliberately overextended, not massively, but overextended. So I know where the freeing attachments are. So Ricardo can cut them back. Are you enjoying the Protrusive Dental Podcast? Well, allow me to deliver you even more value. You can now download the iOS or Play Store app 
for free. Just search Protrusive on your app platform. Now, if you're a true Protrusive and you want to support the podcast, you want to claim CPD for all the listening and watching that you do, you want to get access to exclusive clinical walkthrough videos to make dentistry tangible, as well as a premium newsletter, access to the Protrusive Vault, and the ability to download all the clinical videos and podcast videos so you can view them offline later, you can get all of that for less than 15 tax-deductible dollars per month. So what are you waiting for? Download the Protrusive app now on iOS or Android for absolutely nothing. We've worked so hard on this Protrusive team, and I know you're just going to love it. Now back to the main episode. Uh, and then what I'm doing is I'm placing that tray in and checking it, seeing that I can see that I've got my three millimeters, two, three millimeters of free sulcus. And then what I do is I take a little bit of putty and for a lower, I'm going to do three balls of putty in the in the tray. So I'll do one each side in that sort of buckle shelf, um, retromolar pad area, and I'll do one in the incisal. Place the tray in, get just patient relaxed, place the tray in, check that I can see all the way around my three millimeters of buckle sulcus and just leave it there for it to set. Once that's sort of half set or mostly set, you can take that out because it's, it's just as a guide. But what it means then is every time I place it back in, I know I can push down and I'm not going to push it too far in and overextend it. And also it means that every time I put it in for the other two impressions, it's locating in the same spot every time. That is awesome, man. That is a, a fantastic pearl. I've never thought to do that before. So I've definitely learned something there. I'm going to write that down. That is a, a beauty right there. Uh, so what, what next? So you've got your putty balls. You've got like a, a triangle, something that's quite stable, uh, like, like you said, and you can visualize that yeah. three millimeters, which is genius. What next? Um, so next I'll do my border molding. I'll do a main body of it again in putty. So you could do green stick. If you want to do green stick, like happy days, go for it. Um, I just prefer the sort of the feel and use of, of putty. So I'll do putty around the edges, you know, get my good border molding. So then I know that when I place this in and the putty has got that thickness of three millimeters, place it in, get a functional impression going. And I personally do it completely patient driven. I don't like doing lip pulling or anything like that. I think that distorts your sulcus shape. If you pull a lip, you're going to have the muscle being long and thin, whereas a muscle in function actually is shortening and fattening. So it'll make it's probably only a marginal gains thing, but you know your sulcus shape is going to be slightly different. So I place that in my rest seats. You know my soft tissue stops is stopping it from overextending. They're then wrapping the lips around, the oohs, the e's, opening wide, obviously for a lower, moving the tongue around left and right, forwards and backwards. And then they are compressing and pushing that back up. So then hopefully we've got exactly the functional depth of, of the sulcus rather than just the static depth of the sulcus. And um, I think it's really important if you're doing that kind of patient-driven border molding that you're really, I, I really get into it. Me and my nurse end up probably doing it under our masks as well. But you sort of really hype them up and explain how important it is. And you say, well, you know, if you don't do this properly for me, every time you try and uh, say, oh, look at that, your denture is going to pop out because your lips are pushing it up. So and really getting to exaggerate it. And you can have a bit of fun with it, really. And patients quite end up laughing half the time, which is quite good because most people hate impressions and things. That, that is great. And I think it's so important to know these uh, things that you say. So ooze, the ease to get that sort of functional movement of the muscles. My favorite thing 
learning as a DCT uh, from Professor Mike Fenlon. Are you familiar with Professor Fenlon? Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, he, yeah. He, he, with his fantastic Irish accent, I don't know if I've said this on an episode before, but um, he'd say to patients, uh, smile, like a, uh, smile like a politician, pout like a supermodel and all these things. It's just patients love that and it's, it's a great thing to make them laugh and stuff. So I, I think you definitely got the right idea there. Uh, brilliant. So you've done that with more putty. Now, um, you were mentioning about green stick. You don't like using it. Have you used pink stick before? I haven't. Talk to me about pink stick. Oh, pink stick is like green stick's like sexier cousin. Like it's so, so good. Like I, I used it, um, I used it at a guy's hospital once because uh, my, my consultant then, Sarah Tubby at Paul, her little hack was green stick is rubbish. Don't use it. Use pink stick. It was so much better to handle. And I never, I, I don't know where to order it from. I never order it again. I don't do enough dentures, but check out pink stick. Let me know what you think, man. It'd be, it'd be cool to see what you think of pink stick. But pink stick was, get, was, was pretty cool. Stick, yeah. yeah, please do. Let me know what you think, man. But cool. So you're using putty in that way. Uh, you've now done your initial three mm-hmm. balls. You've done your uh, functional wounds, the ooze and ease. You've made the patient laugh. You've made something out of it. What's the what's the secret sauce? Uh, and then the third stage, either I'll use a light body, a medium body. You can use an alginate again if you like. It's just getting that fine detail. But I prefer using a silicon. So because what I think is, if you're using the silicon, place that over wash impression style, and then exactly the same border molding again. Hopefully, you'll get nice little sort of strips of light body around the frenal attachments you'll see it just about wrapping around but again yes i place it in mainly for a lower it's going to be get the tongue up first so that you're not trapping that and you're sitting it down nicely and i think if you have the tongue up and out the way first you're not going to if you're dragging that impression down against the tongue you might be pressing material away and you won't get the full depth lingually that you might be able to so again to roll the tongue right back push it forwards left and right as far as they can get them to press into the tray as well activate the anterior sort of floor of the mouth uh, and then yeah squeezing the lips doing your pout as you say saying ooze cheesy grins and ease opening wide wiggling the jaw left and right that's more for the upper really get the coronoid processes and things like that um but then light bodies like that and I, the way I, the reason i like the silicon is actually i can take it out put it back in and i can assess almost straight away how reliable that suction is because i think you can do an impression if you put a load of alginate in there and there's loads of saliva trapped and it comes out and it makes that lovely suction sound. You think, happy days. But actually, it might have been that it was just stuck in an undercut or, or whatever it is. But if you re- you can repeatedly put that tray in two or three times and you know that that's a reliable, repeatable suction. Any concerns about any bony undercuts? Is there anything we should be doing with the significant bony undercuts? Yeah, I think undercuts, it's, I've never, I've not actually made a complete yet with sort of big mandibular tori or anything like that. I think you obviously want to avoid them because they're going to be sore, particularly tori, the, the gingiva is so thin there anyway. So again, that's sort of try and capture them in that primary impression. Make sure your technician's aware that you want to avoid those and get the tray. So you've almost got to sort of, deliberately get it a bit wrong in the primary to be able to get it right in the secondary but you want to be avoiding that um really because it's going to just cause you a nightmare in terms of where you're going to end up with extending it and you're going to end up cutting it back loads when it's rubbing and it's all like that um but yeah, i've not actually had it's probably like the one sort of thing that i haven't had yet for a lower that i've uh, that i need to get so if you, if you see one send it send it to me yeah i'm uh, you're gonna hate me man uh, but uh, no no this, this is cool uh this is cool i, I like where this is going so you, you you really described quite beautifully the impression stage i think loads of people are driving right now chopping onions running and their next lower denture they can be like impression stage like yes i'm gonna do exactly how rupert described it because uh, i think you described it really clearly what are the other, uh, you don't have to go exhaustively into the other appointments, but just a few pertinent points in terms of what you think is important to getting a good lower complete denture. 
Yeah. So obviously, like you've you've done some good imps. You're going to do your your reg appointment, gold standard. You want to do it on an acrylic base, really. One, if you're doing that off your secondary impression, then you're going to know pretty well how good your secondary impression is. And if you want to, you can always then reline that if you're concerned, light body, Zoe, uh, whatever you want to do. But also, obviously, having an acrylic base, it's going to make it more stable. You're going to get a more accurate uh, registration. I think the best thing, if you want to talk about the reg and stuff, is go and listen to the other Complete Denture episode from Mark, because I think he nailed that really well. Look at previous photos. I'm not sure if Finley mentioned it in his episode because it wasn't really on a clip, but he's a big advocate, obviously, of photos from before. You know, the, the classic class two patient, skeletal class two, you make them class one for a complete and their lower denture keeps pinging out because their lip, you know, is pushing it backwards because you've massively invaded the neutral zone. Um, you know, check those kind of things if you can. I swear, like, the photos are really, really good. If you see someone who's a, you know, barn door skeletal class too, you know, make sure that you've adjusted your rims suitably and appropriately. Um, wax trying, there's not really, I wouldn't say there's much special stuff there. I think what I try, I try and avoid if the patient thinks it's overextended in wax, I would say just bear with me and let me process it because I'd rather polish off an acrylic than accidentally lump off a massive bit of wax. Um, I, don't, I don't know if you sort of, agree with that but i think sort of i'd rather have the control of a, a straight burr rather than sitting there with a wax knife and accidentally take off half the flange that i work so hard raising the tongue and booing and ahhing for 100 percent, man you don't want to see my wax work i think those are my stressful moments uh, as a dct <laughs> were always with a, a wax knife in hand a bunsen burner uh, and just a mess of wax and my nurse just looking at me like what the hell is he doing yeah. so definitely uh, I, I share that sentiment uh, i think it's good to tell the patient in, in that way so really the wax trying for you is more aesthetics and phonetics yeah 100 percent. i think um especially with sort of more of the cases that i'm doing and sharing now there's obviously there's quite a high aesthetic component in them or at least for me and my technician we're we're pushing the aesthetic side and um patients don't always appreciate their lovely fanaris two teeth and things but we do and um but yeah we've had a few cases recently with old photos and things like that which is which are really fun to do so it's more checking that and uh and yeah again you can you can get an acrylic base inside your wax trying if you want to to again assess that stability support retention whichever uh whichever you want to sort of worry about so yeah the wax trying generally is my favorite appointment you're really anxious about it first because you think it could all go terribly wrong um but generally it's like the easiest appointment but yeah and if you're a little bit worried again just like if you're feeling like your wax trying particularly if you haven't got an acrylic base if you're thinking it's not feeling that stable, uh, I'll always just, again, just put in a bit of light body, seated in, reboard a mold, and at least then it's going to be, even if it's just the fact that it's in wax and it's not retentive because it's wax rather than acrylic, that's just going to make it stable, gives the patient confidence. If you send it back and your technician looks at it and goes, no, it's fine, it fits fine, it's not a problem, they can just peel it off. If they think, oh, actually, that might be quite good, I'll I'll recast that and and use it almost like a reline impression then you've not lost anything. So I think that's a little little thing that I'll sometimes do at the wax track. That's not a little thing. That's a massive thing. That is a huge gem. So usually I just maybe put some fixative in or something, but uh, the light body is just a genius idea because not only are you improving the situation then and there, but then your technician might find that information useful. So that is a huge pearl. Really appreciate that. So uh, use light body. That, that is wicked. Um, dude, I was, just, I was just thinking of a story. I, rem- I remembered a patient I saw at Guy's Hostel and he'd had he's not a great denture wearer he's about 85 and he's on his fifth complete denture in the last six years so you know where this is going (laughs) 
the ridges looked okay yeah, yeah. and uh, it fell upon me as a DCT to, to inherit this case. So I started making these complete dentures and I got to the wax trying stage. On that day, my consultant just wasn't around. So I was by myself, right? Uh, and the patient goes to me, I wish there was a way that I can, I can test if this is going to be good. I, you know, I want to eat something. And I thought to myself, uh, is this, is this kosher? I mean, can the patient try and eat something now? And, uh, you know, lo and behold, uh, his carer and him, they had a peanut butter sandwich. So on his wax trying, upper lower uh, uh, wax trying complete dentures, he started to eat this um, peanut butter sandwich. Um, do you know if this is a, a good way of assessing anything or that's a, an absolute waste of time? Because I felt it was a massive waste of time and it probably just went back with like peanut butter residue back to the lab. Uh, but at the time I was like, uh, let's give it a go. Why not? Yeah, I think... Um... I, think, I mean, Ricardo gets a bit touchy if I let the patient bite down a little bit too hard and the teeth have moved a fraction. So I think you'd kill me if I did that. Um, I think the problem is with wax, unless you've got it like a processed acrylic base, the fit's never going to be as good. And I always say that before before it's even before I've even taken out the box for the wax run, I've said, look, this is wax. It's not going to be great. It's not. It's it's going to fit way way tighter when it's plastic. The saliva doesn't work the same. And so I think if they're worried and it could be a stability thing. I get, I do a, a little cotton roll, pop it in one side, give it a little bit of a bite, a little bit of a bite, because um, then they're not going to be really crunching through. It's more just, again, just testing that sort of support and stability. Um, but yeah, no, I think if I sent Ricardo a peanut butter covered complete, he'd probably uh, not work with me ever again. <laughs> I need a new technician. <laughs> Brilliant. Just something that I remember had flashbacks, but yeah, nothing I'd advise for, for sure. And I, I thought you'd agree with me in, in that sense as well. It was a stupid thing to do, but hey ho, it's something I did back back when and it becomes a story. At the wax trying stage, what if you are you really thoroughly checking the occlusion? Because like, are you checking for any interferences to centric relation? Because at that stage in the past, I have sort of just um, heated up my wax knife, made some of the, the, the teeth uh, or the wax underneath the teeth a bit loose and get them to bite again to sort of intrude mm -hmm. that tooth. Is that something you're doing or do you, do you tend not to also mess with the occlusion until you get to, unless it's way off? Or how do you manage that? Yeah, I, th I think the main thing I do try and do with wax trines is I pop them in and just try and instantly start talking to the patient about something else and just let them sit with them in for four, five, six minutes and annoyingly i've got a really big mirror in my in my main surgery that i work in and i try and deliberately stand in front of it so they can't spend any time looking at it yeah and just literally let this sit there and let them wear them for three or four minutes and and see what they think obviously if they're falling straight out and you need to do that little light body uh, reline then do that um but i try and not ask too many questions or think about it too much um you know, i've got the luxury that obviously i'm doing it all privately so i've got loads and loads of time for my wax trying and things so i'm not squeezing in a 15 minute wax try but i think just let it sit and settle there for a little while uh and then just ask them how does it feel is it comfortable is you know the have you got the ovd right and um i think have a good look at it and yeah if there's an obvious point then absolutely i'd do exactly the same as you heat the wax knife up sort of get it underneath allow them to then intrude it themselves into a into a position that feels more comfortable i think the main thing though is photos and full face photos of a wax trying um even things just like a slight midline shift like we had a case that we did and i i know i know did like a, a nose to chin one and he, he ricardo was fuming because he, he wanted some eyes in there to be able to um because we felt the midline was slightly off and he managed to fix it because he's is that good but um you know take photos of your wax try take photos of your wax rim with your midline because again i had 
there's a, a window impression. I actually did a post about it. Actually, there's a window impression case that I did, and I've drawn the line. And you're not going to like mount the patient and sit exactly in the middle of them. I do I do it from the left or the patient's right, and I lean around and I'd I'd done the midline at a slight angle, probably five degrees or something. When I looked at the photo, I went, "Oh, that's obviously wrong." And sent it to Ricardo. We have everything in a Dropbox and things like that. And we've, you know, he's got a full face photo, and you can see that the top of the line is exactly right where the nose is, and then it cants off to the side like that. And he was able to just to adjust it, and then it's it's absolutely fine. So I think that's the thing as well. That take photos of everything, you know, wax wax rim. Take photos of that in the mouth, and you can check your smile line. You can check your uh, interpupillary. You can check your alotragal if you want to. And confirm it with photos. I think even if you, I did a, I'm doing a presentation um, middle of February for some undergraduates, and I realised I don't actually have any. I didn't have at the time anyway any bike plane pictures of a patient. So I just took some on a nurse, and um, she was a little bit sort of class three. And at the time, I took this this side on for Alotragal, and it looked great. And then I put it in. Um, keynote to do the slides and i drew the line ayla tragal duplicated the line for the angle and dragged it down and she was off by 10 degrees and i was like oh i probably would have thought that looked fine actually and you know am i have i done that with some cases so um that was a big thing for me is that i'm, I'm going to start taking these side on photos and confirming confirming these things on keynote with you know either with ricardo later or i might even start doing it in surgery um but yeah i think lots of photos because you can rescue a lot of things, but I try not to change too much of wax dry. Going back to the original question. No, that's great. And two, two main takeaways there is take the full face photos because they're so valuable and also find your Ricardo. Everyone should have a Ricardo. Ricardo guy, <laughs> he sounds great, man. Uh, he, he sounds like he, he in, in a banter way, but he, he pushes you and he, he gets you to do things in a certain way. I um, think you, you guys feed, feed off each other and you guys are both very passionate. So find your Ricardo. Um, and at the end, you can tell us how you can find someone like that. But yeah. Yeah, we're, we're, we're both as sad as each other, really. Um, I think that's the thing. And um, he makes me look good. So definitely find yourself a Ricardo, but not mine because he'll get too busy. <laughs> Shout out to, to Ricardo, <laughs> but please don't use Ricardo uh, or we might not see as many Instagram. Shout out to VR Dent Studio. <laughs> do, do, the, do the shout out properly. Oh, What's yeah, the name? I, ta- I tag him in everything. So VR Dent Studio. I tag him in every single post so yeah oh well that's very good of you because you know there's there's some dentists there who, who post these beautiful veneers and stuff and, and and they don't credit the the technician where they've taken a monoblock patient to these beautiful uh translucencies but it's actually the ceramist who's done a lot of work or the or the complete denture cases so it, it's, it's very good of you to to shout out your technician in every case that you do that, that that's amazing no 100 i mean it's we've built up a really good relationship and our cases wouldn't be as good if it wasn't with his work you know as you say, we sort of push each other we we understand each other and it's yeah it's, it's just about building that relationship and i think that's the kind of thing with uh, these kind of cases is about consistency it's like consistency with how you take your impressions consistently how you um assess the case what you ask for with your lab work and like with your technician and it's difficult when maybe you're you know in nhs or in mixed practice and you send it to that lab and it's a you know it's a corporate lab with twenty technicians in it, and you don't know, you know, who's getting it, and you get one thing back from one person and one thing back from another, and they never read the docket. That person, you know, it's come back from them because they've done the wrong thing. Or um, so I think. Even if you're doing it, sending it to a lab like that, try and get to know someone there, and because there will be one technician there that wants it, and it might be that you know all the all the great technicians 
will probably work in a place like that at some point. So chances are there's probably a great technician in the making there and find them and go along for the ride with them rather than I've just sort of piggybacked on Ricardo when he's you know already been smashing it. You know, there's always a chance you might find that person and work together and grow together. I think well, Finley covered that, didn't he, with uh, sort of what he was doing. That's it. He said, he said, find someone, you, you know, roughly the same age as you and grow together. And I think you've given a good tip there that even if you're sending it to a corporate lab, like visit that lab if you can and, and find that one guy who might be that dark horse that, you know, you've never met before. You've seen their name on the on the sheet before. Now you get to say hello to them and, and say, would you like to buddy up with me? We can do cases together. And if in, only if you see that fire in their belly uh, and a twinkle in their eye mm. that you can start saying, you know, you send it to a corporate lab, one, two, three, but FAO whatever their name is. And then you sort of, you know, all that case will always go to them and build that relationship, which, which is awesome. So I'm glad we covered that as well. So now onto the fit appointment, my friend, onto the fit appointment, talk us to oh. you through your workflow. Like, like I know some dentists will, will try it in and see how it goes. Some dentists will straight away put on, um, what's that green stuff by Coltine, the pressure spot indicator that straight away before they actually, um, get the patient try in. What's your, what's your protocol, man? Yeah, I just, similar to the wax, wax trimary, just pop them in and again try and instantly start talking about something else or not even thinking about it like make it a really matter of fact thing we're going to pop these dentures in happy days see how they feel i mean i try and even not adjust them at all on the day if i can uh unless you know unless there's an obvious sore spot it's definitely dinging in somewhere or uh there is like you know there's an undercut that we've slightly gone into or something like that then then obviously i'll adjust that um but i think with these cases, and we said, you know, keep, we keep saying about the little tiny denture with the, the non-existent flange. Realistically, I'm probably making something a lot bigger. And I've already said that to them, appointment one. I think it's really, really important in that assessment appointment that you manage those expectations straight up. Uh, you know, it's going, it's going to be bigger. It's going to take you some time to get used to. You've got to retrain the muscles. It's going to rub. You know, I use this like fit appointments all about like a shoe analogy. Yeah, even if I'm doing these super fancy signature characterized dentures, you say, well, you know, no matter how expensive a pair of shoes I've bought, they've always given me a blister. You know, it's it's going to take time to break in my, you know, 300 pound pair of churches or my 10 pound Primark pumps. You know, they're going <laughs> to rub either way. So give them a little bit of a chance. And, you know, it's new set of trainers. You know, you're not going to run a marathon on day one. You're going to go for a walk around the block first or wear them around the house. You're not going to yeah, head out and do 42K straight off the bat. You've got to give them a little bit of time. And yeah, for those ones where they've had a teeny tiny denture before, I sort of say, well, let me make it gold standard or let me make it as textbook as I can. Give it a week, give it two weeks. And if we have to compromise, that's absolutely fine. And we can adjust it then. But then it's a bit like the wax trying thing. I can trim it off. It's a whole lot harder to make a flange longer after I've made it. I'd rather cut it back than you know try and add it on again. That's because that's just not going to happen. So um, yeah, I just try and get it in as best I can. And um, if there's an obvious you know, sore spot, something needs polishing, then then fine. But I try not to touch it too much because you can sort of say, well, you know, we've made it as as potentially as good as it's going to be textbook or whatever that is. And you sort of it's all about feeding that in throughout the entire process. And that's where, again, having a technician that, you know, it's a, they have accountability. You know, Ricardo has mentioned in my first appointment, I mentioned by name, you know, because we're going to do photos of everything. You know, I do pre-op full face photos at the first appointment. And you sort of, you build in how much work you're doing. And I think the way that I do them, probably like your chat with five dentures, I doubt the other five dentures were made in the same way. 
So they sort of go, oh, there is a process here. Like I can get behind that. Let's let's do what he says. Let's give it. Let's give it a week, two week review. And you know, they they believe in it more. I think like the psychology is really really important in uh, indenture indenture wearers. What percentage of your patients, when they come back to see you uh, a week or two weeks afterwards, will have an ulcer at the flange area? Uh, probably about twenty thirty percent. Bloody hell! Usually lingually. Usually lingually, because I tend to I tend to really really go for it lingually um because there that's like that's a gimme there's loads and loads of uh sulcus depth there uh and mostly they've never ever had a denture there before so you say look it's it's you say the shoes again you say it's not only your new set of shoes but you've never had a shoe that long before it's going to rub it's going to rub in a different place you know um i'd say probably about yeah 30 percent maybe that, that, that's remarkable had, i mean had, how many dentures i mean do you have you ever done a denture and maybe i'm sounding stupid here but where you have given the the final dentures, they've gone away and they come back, everything's fine and you don't need to adjust anything. Uh, for me, I just can't imagine that ever happening, but maybe you're going to prove me wrong. I mean, I've had two in the last three months that I haven't seen for a review because they just cancelled it and never came back. I'm because hoping that's happy. a good thing. Because um, <laughs> they're happy. Um, yeah, I, I, we've been like in touch. One one guy was work work related to uh, COVID at work and things like that. So he's you know been in touch. He's like, no, I'm fine. I don't I don't need to come back. So, um, and yeah, a lot of the time they'll just will come back for a chat anyway, and I'll say that I want to see them or do some more photos maybe, particularly if it's like an immediate. <laughs> the review, aka the the photo shoot. Yeah, that more or less that's what the review is most of the time. Yeah, <laughs> um, but no, I'd, I'd say quite often actually. Um, and it might just be that it's a slight polish or or they found it one specific movement. Maybe there's a slight interference somewhere and it's just a little occlusal, uh, occlusal adjustment or something. But I'd say generally, um, yeah, probably about 30% need something doing. But most of the time, they're quite happy. That, that sounds crazy. That's like witchcraft to me. Uh, so, wow, that's very impressive. Uh, to, <laughs> you know, that, that is, wow, just remarkable. Uh, tell us about... When when you have been able to achieve a suction lower denture, is it obvious as at that fit appointment, or have they sometimes gone away with um, you haven't got that suction? Well, when they come back for review, they now have that suction after review. How does it happen usually? Um, I mean, the, yeah, I think the two the two videos that I've got on they are day of day of fit videos. I literally just yeah you know, pop in, hear the squelch. Say sit there for two minutes, give them a little squeeze together for me. And I think that's really important. Like don't just pop it in and expect it to be suction straight away. You've got to let it bed uh, a little bit. Um, so yeah, both of those they were straight in. But yeah, I've definitely had I've had a couple where one of the chaps that the guy who had the COVID case at his work and didn't come back, he called and said, "Oh, it, the bottom one feels so much better now. It's fitting really nicely." And this this is the chap who'd never worn any dentures at all before, um, and he had a massive he had a massive tongue to be fair, which probably helps sort of keep it support it and balance it so yeah i think you can definitely learn to adapt the muscles because it's more again about that stability and not displacing it learning learning to ride that bike not displacing it and knocking it out which is going to interfere with having a continuous maintained suction um but generally if you if you pop it down you and you and you hear a squelch then happy days you're probably going to be all right now for us normal dentists not at your level rupert uh, with complete dentures uh, one tip i i want to give to the more average uh, the dentists at, at removal pros uh, is that one of the piece of advice that was given to me by lyndon cabo um I think he's a professor or doctor. Mm -hmm. uh, Dr. Lyndon Cabot, he told me that sometimes as dentists, when we give complete dentures, just have patience. You know, we're, we're tempted. We're so 
tempted to do something, pick up the hampies, do some adjustments, whatever, just let them go home with it, just like you do. Uh, and then sometimes yep. they just need more time until the situation improves and improves and improves and you haven't done a thing and then suddenly they're able to keep it in. So sometimes they just need some more time. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. We said it before, that muscular control, that, um, that's really, really important, especially for a lower, the, the upper you're going to, you can get that suction cup effect and, and you'll be fine. But the lower you need some element of um, skill to maintain it. And you even say to them that you've got this, it, you, you heard the squelch, right? And they go, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you say, well, it, it's going to be lost because your tongue's flapping around all over the place and you are constantly pressing it and moving it. You've got to learn that you'll you'll sort of subconsciously realize that that seal is wearing off and, oh, I just need to bite it down or I need to press rest my tongue over the top of it. And actually it's that rather than them thinking that you're going to pop it down, it's going to sit there quite happily forever and not move. You say, no, no, you've got to keep updating that seal, that suction. You've got to keep pressing it back down with your teeth. But you'll get used to that. You won't have to think about that in, in a week, two weeks. And that's where you get the improvement over time is that they've just they're learning subconsciously they're not thinking about the fact that it's got that it's losing the seal and it's getting loose they're just going biting it down and and that's it but no that's definitely right that's why i say just try and send them off and unless there's a glaringly obvious bit that's occlusally wrong or definitely you've got a flange wrong and you haven't uh you know got the extension right adjust that but if it feels pretty comfortable and they're good to go i'll just try and send them out the door as as well as you can amazing well before we um i want to ask about uh, some of the educational stuff that you're putting on but but before we get to that just last question because we can't do an episode on protrusive without talking about the occlusion uh <laughs> just tell us about the fit appointment and maybe the review what's the most common thing that you might do for the occlusion i mean do you follow do you actively look for this bull rule you know buckle of the upper lingual of the lower do you try and do that give us a, a bit of a, a minute or so on the recipe for success with occlusion with dentures Obviously, you've taken that from your reg appointment. You know, make sure you're getting your simple things right. Your alotragal plane, you've got it. You know, getting a nice um, lower lip line and things like that, so that everything is where it should be, and you're not making the patient work harder than they should. In terms of the fact that the angle's off and they're getting contact too early, or you've got this odd shaped lower that's having to work with the um, you know sort of wrong occlusal plane of your upper. I think really it's about making sure they're comfortable and get them in a, a retruded position that feels comfortable for them and you know, make sure that they're happy with it. And then, yeah, make sure they're not a blatant class two or class three that you've missed um, and just set them up. And I think as well, maybe it's a NHSC mindset of, you know, four appointments, get it done. But I don't mind doing three wax try-ins, four wax try-ins to make sure I've got it a hundred percent and, you, know, you say that to the patient, you say, we're going to do the first try-in. And even the fit appointment, half the time, I might say, we're going to try it in the plastic and we might still want to make some changes. And, you know, a bit like um, you could sort of say it for crowns as well. We'll try it in and we might need to, you know, alter this or that and send it back. And like you would with maybe an implant crown. Um, but I think, yeah, like don't don't be afraid to do another try-in and you make sure the patient's 100% happy as well. But I think you can sort of tell quite quickly occlusion-wise yeah, the worst is when you, you pop it in and you've suddenly got like a two unit midline shift and they've got a complete scissor bite on one side or something. You think, what have I done here? Um, but it's just because suddenly they feel like they've got a denture in rather than a wax block is that they suddenly bite in a completely different place. And I, I've had that a couple of times, not like not quite that drastically, but where it is just a little bit off. And I think see if you're happy with the upper get set, make sure the upper set right. I think 
I think Mark said it in his, you know, the upper is for beauty, the lower is for the function. And, you know, I do a lot of taking the posteriors off the lower. If I'm happy with the upper, take the posteriors off, four, five, six, don't put sevens on, don't put sevens on completes because they're just going to give you more problems. Um, take the four, five, six off, leave the incisors if you can and potentially just re-reg them at that point because they've got an incisal. Hopefully the incisors then might go into the correct place. You can reg them then and just get them get to your technician to, to reset it up there. If you're completely off, dig out your wax rim, your lower wax rim. Hopefully they haven't destroyed it. Um, but yeah, I think it's don't be afraid of doing multiple wax try-ins and build it into cost of private treatment or, um, yeah, and just, again, be upfront about it. I think the whole thing, you know, be super upfront early on because if you start making, if you start saying things are difficult with the wax trying, it's an excuse. If you told them three appointments ago, or they go, oh yeah, you did say that, that you know, we might have to try it in a few times. Um, it's all about just not being negative or pessimistic, but just being being reasonable and managing those expectations. Brilliant, because the communication is, is, is half the battle now. Uh, Rupert, as you know, uh, with Protrusive, I'm a massive promoter of education. And with people like you who just do so much for our dental Instagram community uh, and you post these beautiful cases and I'm sure you get DM'd all the time like, hey, you know what, can you help me with this case? Or how can I get photography like yours? Or how can I get dentures like yours? I saw that you're, you promoted a course recently. Please tell us about that because I know mm -hmm. loads of the Protrusorati will would be interested in that so uh, give us a flavor man yeah so we uh, we announced it was a couple of weeks ago now it's um ricardo and myself and we've teamed up with uh, rodri thomas i'm sure everyone will know who rodri is um because actually rodri was a big uh, inspiration for me and how i do the secondary impressions i do so i was seeing some of the pictures that he was putting on i know he's not that name uh, sort of known for it on uh, instagram but he's got he takes some incredible impressions and makes some amazing dentures and i sort of looked at what he was doing and tried to reverse engineer it and experiment and so we I did his uh, art of resin course which is awesome um and we started talking about dentures there and yeah so we're, we're looking at running a course it's called the art of completes uh and the plan is that so it's a two-day course take you through start to finish um with a live patient with ricardo doing the technical stuff in between as well um and we're just trying to cover that start to finish on how to get hopefully reliable suction things i'm hoping i didn't give too much away in the secondary impressions uh, chat that we did otherwise i might get it no buddy honestly we really appreciate that i think you really, really appreciate that and i do i think anyone listening should really appreciate the, the level of detail that you're going through you gave us so much there but there are so many so many mini steps and gems that that you, it's impossible to you know give out in a podcast episode but you gave massive value there <laughs> uh so guys if you if you like rupert's content support him in the course i i, I have no doubt in the world with with rodri and yourself involved and ricardo that's going to be a highly educational really supportive course on something that just doesn't get taught well enough at dental school because of a lack of uh, cases we just don't get to do enough cases and before we start getting fancy it's about getting those foundations right which you are so good at covering yeah no i think uh, i actually had someone um write to me today um saying that oh they're a recent graduate and that you know they're worried about x y and z and like, reorganizing the the ovd and, do it. and i was just like just like wind it wind it back a sec and just you know i think pros actually is quite not easy, but it's it has a few basic concepts. If you master those and then sort of extrapolate them, you can work out more difficult cases. You know, think about um, you know balancing your support. Uh, you know, just think about those three basic things, and then you can do more challenging cases, like a a big fibrous ridge upper, for instance. I know we're talking lowers, but yeah, you know, a big fibrous ridge. That's just that you've got 
across your across your ridge, you've got an imbalance in the support. And if you just put one uniform piece of plastic there, it's going to rock and rotate. So how can you get around that? And it's, I think that's what I like is it's problem solving and it's just yeah working through things like that. But I think yeah, work work on the basics and then that will open doors for yourself in doing more challenging things and um, and talk to your technician as well. Like I, if you've had any, like you said, still saying about the uh, occlusion things like that. I want to do my normal cop out answer on Instagram, which is my technician actually sorts most of it. So <laughs> ask him, and uh, he'll be able to point you better. Because um, yeah, I think that's that's part of it. Ask their opinion, and because it's it's a team thing at the end of the day. Amazing, Rupert. Thank you so much for bringing so much value on uh, suction complete lower dentures. I hope uh, everyone listening got a lot of value from that. I know I did. I picked up a few gems I wrote down. So excited on my next lower denture, which might be a year away. As you can see, I don't do that many. Uh, and then the next, uh, the next really crazy one I get is definitely coming your way. So thank you so much. Cheers, man. Thanks for having me on. Thank you, Patrice Rati, for listening all the way to the end. I hope that helped you to be more confident on lower complete dentures. Do check out Rupert's work on Instagram. It's absolutely amazing. His Instagram handle is Dentist Rupert. Do also follow at Protrusive Dental if you're not already. And just check out the quality of his photography, the quality of the treatments he does. He takes these fantastic portrait photos of before and after. And these dentures, I tell you, they make these patients look about 20 years younger. So Rupert, keep up the amazing work you're doing. And I hope you'll catch me in the next episode, which is five things your technician wished you knew. Thank you.